we don't want more big streets being rammed through our neighborhoods. We want our streets to be walkable and bikeable. What can we do with this money that's already on the books to say, instead of just blasting through another you know, mini highway, let's turn it into a more livable street for the whole community. James, ask you. You're with the NoHo Neighborhood Council, North Hollywood Neighborhood Council. NoHo Neighborhood Council. We have to be specific because we're not in North Hollywood. We just represent a small part of it. Oh, I didn't realize that. Okay. Well, that's okay. No one does. The cool part. <laughs> it's all cool. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So um, you're here because I want to talk to you finally about this this thing that happened. We yeah. covered it a while back because it was this, they were going to widen Magnolia Boulevard and they were, I mean, do you want to, how do you want to, do you want to? Yeah, let me, uh, I, I can give a little, a little quick background on it. So basically what it was, was um, this was a legacy project that predated Council Member Kerkorian being on the city council. I think, I'm, I'm not going to lie. I, I was living in New York at the time this was uh, formulated. I think this might've been a Tom LeBong project. Um, but in any, in any event, it was a legacy project from before his time on the council, on the city council. And it was a two phase widening of Magnolia Boulevard. The first phase took place in 2011. So they took Magnolia from a three lane uh, with three lanes with two lanes of parking to four lanes with two lanes of parking. And then the second phase was supposed to take it up to five lanes with two lanes of parking. And we got a notice from the Bureau of Engineering that was telling us, uh, hey, this is, this is happening, you know, fait accompli, we've got the money for it, good to go. And I brought it to the neighborhood council, we sort of talked through it, I raised a little hell about it, and the neighborhood council really interrogated BOE and uh, worked at work to, uh, brought our voice forward and said, we don't want this to happen. So that was, uh, that was the prelude. And BOE came back to us and um, First, there were some sort of interim steps where they said, listen, we hear you. We're still going to widen the street because that's what the call for the project is. We have this money, this, this money from decades ago that, that's going to widen the street. We have to widen it, but we're going to give you pedestrian enhancements. And that, that would have been a victory. To have any, anything to make the street a little safer would have been a victory. But we continued to oppose it at the neighborhood council level. We worked with other advocates and managed to... Um, actually get them to go ahead and cancel the street widening. So they're moving forward with um, what's now basically gonna be sort of a model, a model for what, could, what a safer street could look like. It's gonna have speed tables. We're gonna have Hawk Beacons at two new crossings with Hawk Beacons. Um, they're gonna put in leading pedestrian intervals, which is exciting. They're adding new trees to the street and they're gonna put in, um, I believe, hardened pedestrian bump outs. You know, I think it's a, it's a testament to sort of the advocacy that neighborhood councils can do <clears throat> that um, we we worked with them and we sort of made them see that, you know, even if you have the money for this project and even it's a, a legacy project that could be a really, that could be that, that you don't want to, you don't want to just throw money away. You know, once you've got that money in place, you can still work to find ways to make that legacy project work for what the neighborhood looks like now. And I think it's, you know, um, I, again, I think it's a testament to us. I think it's a testament to some of our safer streets advocates like uh, Streets Streets Blog and Streets for All and Zach Rainu, who uh, helped us to raise awareness among other parts of our community to to sort of bring people forward to talk about it. 
you know, and it's a testament to the council member. You know, the council member opposed the great the Lancashire and Great Streets in 2016, which would have uh, redesigned Lancashire Boulevard from um, I want to say Van Owen all the way down to Magnolia to remove a traffic lane on each side, put in bike lanes, put in a lot of these same safer streets, um, a lot of these same things, enhancements that would have made the streets safer for all users. And at the time, the community came out and was kind of split a little evenly over it. Um, I don't remember the exact numbers, so I'm not going to say that one side had more, more conversations, more, more proponents than the other. But what I will say is that when the neighborhood council vote came down, we had some older, some older members of the neighborhood council, and they voted against it. They voted against the widening, and then the council member looked at that feedback from the neighborhood council and said, I can't go against what the neighborhood council says, so I'm not going to support Great Streets Lancashire, and that's a drag. Great Streets Lancashire was a great project. And then since that happened, we've had turnover. We've had new, more progressive neighborhood council members elected, and they said, you know, we don't want our we don't want more big streets being rammed through our neighborhoods. We want our streets to be walkable and bikeable. And to his credit, the council member listened to that. Um, he had some staff members like Sahag Yadalian who were really great advocates inside the office to say, hey, you know, some of these ideas they're bringing up are really good. And through that, he sort of listened to us and said, let's do what the community wants. And I think it's a testament to, you know, again, it's a testament to what the neighborhood council can do when you have progressive voices on it. Yeah, and so it's a big win. It is, it's a, it's a huge win. I mean, I had personally resigned myself to getting the, the widening, but getting, you know, getting these Hawk beacons and I'll, I'll come back and explain those terms I meant, but getting the Hawk beacons and the LPI. And I was like, well, you know what? That's a safer street. It's not a great safer street, but it is a safer street. But to have it, to have it pared down and just get pedestrian upgrades and to, um, I, I left out, we're also getting some major storm drain upgrades, which, um, address longstanding flooding issues in, in the community and also return water to the San Fernando Valley Aquifer, which is a project that we need to be taking on, um, you know, to help preserve our own. <laughs> so. Our water. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> Brain got, got ahead of me there. Wow, so you guys are, uh, are feeling good now. Yeah, it's great. I mean, it's, it's really cool. Um, you know, there were some things that I'm personally disappointed with. I had really argued to actually narrow the road to bring it back down to two travel lanes with a turn lane and then take that fourth travel lane that they uh, blasted through a decade ago and turn that into bike lanes. Um, that, that didn't happen. Uh, but, you know, it's been, we've talked about it and Magnolia was never one of the bike lanes, was never a bike lane corridor on the Mobility 2035 project particularly because of the class one bike path that's just about a half, not even a half a mile, like a quarter mile north of it. So what I'm trying to focus on now is creating connectivity between the Chandler bike path and some of the more natural bike routes that people take like Riverside by punching, you know, I've, I don't know if you've ridden a lot in that part of the community, but the bike path has walls that block it off from going into the neighborhoods. But about every other wall, there's a gap in the wall where people unofficially ride through, like Biloxi Avenue is a big gap people use to connect it to Toluca Lake. So we're trying to talk about ways that we can make those unofficial gaps and open them up and just make them official connections to connect down through the neighborhoods down to places like Riverside Drive. So I think that's a much better focus for our energy than trying to put bike lanes another quarter mile down on Magnolia right now. There's always a future. <laughs> so, you, 
you're looking at where people are going now and trying to make yeah we're looking i mean we're looking at the desire lines basically you know if you, if you know the phrase desire lines that's they're there and we're trying to follow those and say here's where people are already using the gaps in the, in the wall to get through why don't we find a way to make these gaps official and then create again create that connect create those connections where people naturally are already flowing Cool. Well, the NoHo Neighborhood Council. So, have you sort of discovered your yourselves in a way along the way? Um, you know, it's it's been interesting. You know, again, I, I keep referring back to the way the election in gosh, twenty eighteen, I think, changed it because we had a much more older and conservative neighborhood council before that. We got a lot of younger and fresher people on who've been much more engaged in progressive issues. And it's been very interesting to see how much, how different our meetings and how different um, the advocacy coming out of our group has been because of that. And I've been very excited by it. You know, and this, this is one of them. Again, I, I think with our old neighborhood council, we might've had a much more contentious fight over, or much more contentious discussion, I should say, over whether or not we should oppose this, this project. And that might have stalled us out, and then the project might have gone forward because there would have been no or organized neighborhood opposition for it. But instead, we were able to, I was able to reach everybody on the council. And then after reaching everybody on the council, the council was able to reach the council member. And the council member did what he's supposed to do, listened to us, and, and came up with a much better solution for the community. And honestly, it's a, I think it's a great solution for the city. I think, um, you know, Streets for All. Has looked at this. Uh, has looked at this, and they're already saying that they're looking for more of these sort of legacy projects that are on the books, mm -hmm. where they can say, "All right, well, you know what? CD two had a legacy project like this, and instead of just going through with it and widening the street, and then saying maybe we'll put bike lanes in later when we do another adapt project and we can restripe the streets in third, 20 or thirty years," saying, "What can we do with this money that's already on the books to say instead of just blasting through another?" you know, mini highway, let's turn it into to a more livable street for the whole community. So I think it's a great, I think this is a, a, a great model for what we can look like, what the city can look like and what people, what activists in the, in the city can look like going forward. Yeah. And so are you communicating with other neighborhood councils at all? Um, mostly through Streets for All. I'm, I'm leaving that to Michael. He has the infrastructure to really talk about it. Michael at Streets for All. You know, he has, a, he has the infrastructure and the existing um, contacts there, but, you know, I've gone to speak at some of their events to tell them to talk about what we did and how we organized and, you know. So um, I have here Joni Young, who's just hanging out. Um, maybe we could talk to uh, a real writer here. Joni. A real writer, wow. The things that James alluded to, I have to admit, I didn't really know several of the terms and I'm just, I'd like to give you a quiz, okay? Oh gosh, I was listening, thinking like, do I know that? Do I know that? Is that a term for something that I think I know, but I don't know the term? I might fail. Number one, Hawk Beacons. I'm wondering if that's one of the things that you push the button and lights flash so cars supposedly slow down so you can cross, is that, is that what that is? James? Um, it is actually that, but a little stronger. It's not one of those flashing lights like, um, you know, and I'm sorry, I keep coming back to my community, but um, like at the intersection of a, oh shoot, what's the cross street? On Lancashire by the Honda dealer, where you have the flash, okay. or the yeah. Burbank, where there's the flashing lights by the 7-Eleven Burbank and Fulcher. Yeah. 
more than that. There's actually a system of lights, red lights and yellow lights that control car traffic and theoretically bike traffic to stop to allow pedestrians to cross. But it's not an actual, ah. it's not a fully signalized intersection where you would have lights controlling traffic on both sides. And if a, if a pedestrian pressed a, a beg button, if a, if a pedestrian pressed a button, then it would stop traffic with a red light. It's a kind of a hybrid. It's, I forget the, what exactly HAWK stands for, but I know the H is hybrid. Mm. A couple of them in the city. Um, they actually implemented one where the crossing guard was killed by a, a speeding driver in the valley uh, about a year ago, if you remember that. And, <clears throat> you know, and that, so there's a, we're, we're excited to see how they work on in this community with two new crosswalks on that stretch of, of Magnolia. Because I know that as a cyclist, if I try to cross a, uh, a major street at, um, at an intersection that does not have a light, I have a greater chance of cars stopping for me if I get off my bike and walk it. There's more likelihood for them to stop for a pedestrian rather than a person on a bike. And then of course, you know, pushing, you know, the big button that flashes the yellow lights, they ignore it, they just go past it. It means nothing to them. In fact, during the day, a lot of times they can't see it anyway. Yeah, I mean, the one, the one in our community, like I said, on Burbank and Fulcher, there's been baller, a bollard knocked down there for over a year where somebody just blazed right through the bollard. One time I was driving that stretch of Burbank and I stopped for a pedestrian and someone tried to whip around me on the right. Of course. Because they were like, what's this jerk doing stopping in the middle of the street? Of course. People get killed yeah. up there, yeah. Yeah, no, that's... Yeah. Mercifully, I, I forget why that person stopped. I think maybe they actually saw that there was something in the crosswalk and they're like, oh, that makes sense. That's why someone's stopping yeah. at a crosswalk. Right. Uh, Number two, what was another one? Bollards. There were like Ball three, out? three terms. That's a sidewalk where the sidewalk comes out. And I but, find a lot of times that's actually annoying for cyclists because you could be in a bike lane, the bulb out comes out, and then you have to squeeze in between bulb out and the lane to, get, to continue on. But he didn't call it just a bulb out. Uh, he called it, I don't know what he called it. Hardened. So bulb out would be a bulb out that's cement versus what you see. We, we actually have some new bulb outs in our community, which again, come from Councilmember Krikorian and sort of that advocacy inside his office for uh, making the community a little safer for walkers and, and cyclists. But um, some of the bulb outs they have now are the ones where they just have bollards and they maybe have three bollards that stop cars from using the right-hand turn, the right-hand parking lane as a slip lane. Mm -hmm. We have some of those new ones with bulk with bollards, but I think some, I think here they were talking about actually pouring the more traditional ones that you're thinking of where you have a pedestrian, you have a, um, excuse me, a cement uh, curb that comes out yeah. into the street a little bit. Yeah. The bollards that you're talking about with the bollards, I know they just put some along Pico. So there's a lot of those. And so I can actually weave my way through the ballers and keep going in a straight line. And it just prevents cars from cutting the corner and turning right, speeding around the corner. Yeah, forces, exactly, forces them to slow down. And instead of making that smooth curve to the right so they can keep their speed, it forces them to make a hard right-hand turn, which is terrific. It forces them to slow down. Oh, or they'll make a really wide right turn and end up on the other side of the street. Hmm. I've seen that. All right, James. Anyway. I know there's a couple more. Leading pedestrian interval. <laughs> oh, is that the one where the light, the pedestrian light goes green or walk before the light turns green? Yes. 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 Right. Doing good, Joni. Good. Doing good. <laughs> yeah. 
and as a cyclist, we can move with that pedestrian light ahead of the cars so they know they see us ahead of them. So they don't turn right and do a right hook and hit us. Yeah, it's um that's been shown to be a really, really effective way to increase pedestrian and cyclist safety. Um, because they can get because pedestrians and cyclists get into the middle of the street before cars try to whip right, which is where you have a lot of your major collisions. Mm -hmm. I, I knew that one too, actually. Uh, the next one. There's like one more, right? Uh, I think, oh, speed tables. Thank you. Speed table. Well, that's not on an Excel spreadsheet, that's for sure. <laughs> uh, is that where it's a raised crosswalk? So they kind of have to slow down for the crosswalk? It's not going to be a crosswalk. They're going to actually, but it is like that. It's like a raised crosswalk. It's sort of like a, it's then, you know, you have speed bumps, which yeah. make you slow down to like five miles an hour. Mm -hmm. Humps, which make you slow down like 25 miles an hour or 15 miles an hour. And speed tables are another one beyond that that still allow you to move around 20 miles an hour, 25 miles an hour, but force you to slow down a little bit while you're driving through the community. And so mm -hmm. it's really exciting and interesting that they're going to put them on this street, um, which is a, I want to say a class two avenue. So it's a pretty, it's a pretty major street compared to, you know, I, this is the kind of thing I would expect them to put on a collector street, um, not a major avenue. And we're curious to see how that's going to pan out because, you know, again, the target, the targeted speed is 20 to 25 miles an hour when you go over it. And Magnolia is rated for 35 miles an hour right now, at least that section. Yeah, everybody goes much faster than that. I mean, I remember one time they were talking about the, the, B, the bus route, right, from NoHo Station to, what was it, Pasadena Station? Yes. And so I actually biked the length of it just to see what it was like currently to see, like, what's along this way and who, where would you go, who would ride it and all that stuff. And so I did have to bike along Magnolia and that was kind of interesting and scary, but you know. I know that there's like a main strip in NoHo, right? But that's not, it's Lankersham, isn't it? The main strip? The, the sort of commercial strip right now is the strip between Lankersham and Vineland. And this is the next, this is the next stretch over between Vineland and Coanga. So there's, yeah, there's a lot there actually. Yeah. Well, on the stretch of Magnolia, there's you know the there's the Ralphs, which is a pretty that there's the Ralphs on the corner of Vineland and Magnolia. There's restaurants. Mm -hmm. There's a bunch of small businesses. There's a senior center. Um, you know, there's a lot of there's a lot going on there, and I firmly believe that turning it into a five lane street would have killed a lot of those or made them harder to access. A lot of theaters are still there. I mean. Who knows if theaters will be there after all of this, but uh, they, um, so there's a, there, there are a lot of small businesses there. And I think this could be something that will help make the area, this, this will help keep the area more walkable and more human scaled than just having, you know, just having cars whiz by going 45 miles an hour as they're trying to cut through between the five and the 170 and use Magnolia as that cut through. Really what, that's really what this always felt like to me. I'm sorry to interrupt. No. That's really what this like old 20 year old, 30 year old project felt like to me was like, how can we create bypasses for cars that wanna connect between these two major freeways on our surface streets? And, you know, I don't know if that's what the engineers were thinking back then, but that's what it feels like. And I'm glad that that's not what it's gonna be. Well, one thing I've heard you say a few times, uh, like a theme is old. There was, there was old people on your council who were not opposing the widening. Is that it? Or, and so- The former members of the council 
had wanted to keep Lincolnshire Boulevard the way it is versus the Great Streets Project, which would have narrowed it and put in bike lanes. And then there's an old plan. And the people coming up know about livable streets and they know that, you know, it's not great for businesses in a neighborhood or anybody in a neighborhood who, who to have to, you know, risk your life like yeah. that across the street. You know, I can tell you right now is, you know, and I'm a, I'm a, I'm a pedestrian, I'm a cyclist, I'm a driver. So I'm, you know, I hit all three, but I can tell you right now, like driving down that stretch of Magnolia Boulevard, there's one crossing between the two. There's one signal, I should rephrase that. There's one signalized crossing between Vineland and Coenga, but that's not the only place people cross. And when you have cars going, as Joni said, like well over the posted speed limit of 35 miles an hour, that just creates the situation where you're going to have somebody eventually get killed and we need to slow the street down we need to create more crossings and that's what this plan does and it's a much more forward-thinking model than what we've had in the past and you know we i i take credit as a neighborhood for the neighborhood council for bringing it to everybody's attention i take credit for this the advocates that helped us do it but i i have to give credit again to the council member could have very easily have just blown us off you know i got to give him credit you could have said, BOE, BOE says this is great. The engineers tell me this is what we need to do. This has been on the books since before you lived here. Like, you know, we're just going to go through with it. Thanks for your, thanks for your sternly worded letter, because that's all we really have power as, as a neighborhood council is sternly worded letters. But he didn't, you know, he listened to us and he, um, he found a much better use of funds to create this project that I, th again, can't help but say will be, I think will be a model for more safer speech advocates throughout the city when they see what it looks like in the end. And you'll be able to point to the street to your kids. You know, <laughs> yeah. And this is your legacy. Well, my kids actually are, um, you know, I helped implement slow streets in my community and they're uh, personally affronted every time the signs fall over. <laughs> <laughs> Anytime I see a sign knocked over, they're like, who did that? And I'm like, it was probably just the wind. The wind did it. Although I've seen cars knock them over. Yeah, I've seen both, but we had some really nasty windstorms, um, or not, I shouldn't say windstorms, but we had some really nasty wind a couple of nights ago, and it knocked down the entire, all the signs throughout both sections of our, uh, of our slow streets, and it was a fun project putting those back up. I'm actually, uh, I'm going to take dinner with my kids. James has dinner. I have dinner plans with an eight-year-old and a four-year-old, so. All right, James. There you go. Thanks for having me on, guys. I appreciate it. Y'all have a great night. Good all right. James. Bye. Take it easy, y'all. Good night. Night. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Bike Talk. If you want to hear more, go to kpfk.org, navigate to programs, and choose Bike Talk. On the Bike Talk page, click on the archives link to play or download shows posted in the last four months. Go to biketalk.com and copy or click on the RSS link to subscribe. Our Twitter handle is BikeTalkPFK. On Facebook, we are Bike Talk. You can become friends and join our group. 